Tonight I'm going to tell you guys a story about a girl named Kathy. And Kathy really, really, really wanted to be a cheerleader. I mean, she really wanted to be a cheerleader. So she decides she's going to go out for the school cheerleading team. And she goes for the tryouts. And, and, you know, they're several days long. And she gets there early. And she stays late. And she's working. And when she gets home, she's practicing some more. And so she, she goes to this trial. And she's really working hard. She really wants to be on the cheerleading team. But when the results come, her name's not on the list. So she doesn't get too discouraged. So next year, she decides again. She says, you know what? I'm going for it again. Same thing, man. She gets there early. She stays late. She works at home. She practices when she gets up in the morning. She practices before she goes to bed at night. She is, like, ready to do this thing, right? And so she, she goes to the tryouts, and, and the, a few days later, while she's waiting for the results, she gets a, there's a, the, the doorbell rings at her house. And so she, she answers the door, and it's the whole cheerleading team, and they yell, congratulations, and they're all cheering her on, and then somebody goes, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're at the wrong Kathy's house, and they leave, and she didn't make the team. She eventually would make the team, like uh, a few years later, but, but can you imagine that feeling of thinking you had gotten something you were working for, and then you didn't get it? We've probably had times in our lives where we thought we were good at something, um, but we were told otherwise, or we saw ourselves a certain way, but something burst our bubble. Maybe you tried out for a team and didn't make it, or told a really good joke and no one laughed. I, I'm used to that one. Um, maybe you studied really hard for a test, but you still failed it. Okay? These kind of things happen all the time, right? And, and we end up getting these labels that attach to ourselves. And I know we did a whole series on labels a few weeks ago, but, but tonight we're going to kind of tag that. We're going to do one more message on labels as a part of this flipped series. And we create labels by, like, by the roles we play at school, right? Your label might be band kid. That was my label. Again, big surprise. Your label might be athlete, right? Your label might be... Right? You, I don't think we have any cheerleaders in here, but Montana's not here. So, your label, that's the pentatonics version of cheerleader. But um, your label might be theater person. I don't know. Maybe I don't even know. Maybe it's class clown. Maybe you're known as the funny one. Okay? Um, so, sometimes the roles we play give us labels. Sometimes we get labels by what other people say about us. Right, that we're funny, that we're nice, that we're quiet, that we're loud. You guys can probably guess which one people say about me. Yes, I'm loud. That's 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 the main descriptor of me. It's loud. Sometimes we get labeled by what our parents say about us. Right? You might have heard how come you can't be like name that big sibling or name that cousin or name that parent or grandparent. Or even when you were younger, you were, anybody like, you, ever, you know how like little kids can be really cuddly sometimes, and then they get older and they're not, or we're not, I should say, right? So, so even like, you might have heard like, you know, when you were little, you were so sweet, what happened? And here's the problem. Here's the problem with labels is that they change all the time, right? Like one day you feel like, yeah, man, I'm a smart kid. Like that's one of my labels is, is. Like, if you had the hi, my name is, you might have smart on there. But then you bomb that test, and all of a sudden you feel like, you know what? That label doesn't apply to me anymore. 
or you feel like something you're good at. You're like, man, I thought I was really good at that, but then, then I wasn't. Sometimes our uh, label of, you know, am I attractive depends on do I have the right clothes on today? Is my hair done just the right way or whatever, you know, um, or, or whether or not somebody notices that, that you did something different, right? Oh, I got my hair cut. Nobody noticed. I, I guess I'm not pretty. That was me. That, that was my, from my experience, but um, obviously it was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. Thank you. You have? Right, like, like how many of you guys, when you go to school, and I guess if you have uh, a uniform, this doesn't really apply, um, but, like, I'm at Permian enough to know that, especially for the ladies, but for the guys, too, it's kind of a big deal when you actually, like, get up and really do your hair, because a lot of girls are just, like, ponytail and sweats, right? Like, that's how a lot of girls do it, Permian. But then that you, you take that day where you really get ready and nobody notices. And so that can really affect the labels that we think we have or the labels that we want. Um, and then other times, there's a label that we'd like to get rid of and we can't. So the, the, the upshot of this, though, is that we don't just label ourselves and other people don't just label us, but we label other people, too. How many of you have ever thought or said, everyone who goes to that school is blank? Okay? We've probably all done it. I did it. I, can I be honest with you? The high school that I went to, um, Bloomingdale High School in Valrico, our high school was known for having a very high rate of STDs. And... Yeah, you know, and so that just caught some of y'all's attention. Y'all weren't paying attention. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, what? Like, what's he talking about? And yet, the schools near me, I think of Durant, was known as the Redneck School. They had the best, like, FFH program. You know, they all wore cowboy hats and boots, right? And they weren't all like that, just like everybody at my school didn't fit our, didn't fit our stereotype. But, but we label other people. And those can be totally wrong. Sometimes we label people. People off of one small thing, that earns them a label. I'm going to tell you guys about uh, a girl at our old youth group in Florida named Morgan. Okay, now Morgan is a great girl. She loves Jesus. She's funny. Um, she has a great personality, and she's really athletic. Like, she played in Florida girls flag football. It is an official high school sport. And she was, like, one of the best players on her flag football team. Uh, she played soccer. Her junior and senior year, now she's in college. She's on the USF rowing team. Like, she's really athletic. Um, but her nickname was Faceplant. And the reason her nickname was Faceplant is because we had this check-in desk in our, area, in, our, in our kids and youth area, and it was shaped kind of like a U. And so my buddy Nathan stood in one of the corners, and he puts his hands on the desk, and he kind of jumped up, and he put his feet up in the air, and he did like a perfect handstand, and then gracefully put his feet back down. Like, it was, it was, it was great. She decides she's going to do it. And Wes, I know, this is like a pattern in us. I don't know if you were there for that night, but some of the other adults were there like, okay, well, we'll stand and be ready to catch you in case you should fall. Um, but she threw her feet up in the air, and she fell, 
But she didn't fall to one side or the other. She fell, like her arms are up on the table like this. She fell straight down so that her face hit the desk, hit the table um, with the full force of gravity behind it. And so from that point on, her nickname was Faceplant because she had faceplanted on this table. She wasn't that clumsy all the time. She was kind of clumsy, but she was also very athletic. And so that one incident earned her a nickname. And so sometimes that happens. And, and labels are powerful, right? Labels are really powerful, and they affect the way, that we, uh, the way that we see ourselves, and in turn, they affect the way that we act, okay? Tonight, we're going to look at a woman who had one of the worst labels you could have in her time. She had one of the worst labels, and, 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 and we're in Mark 5. If you want to use the U version, it's on there. It's ready to go, uh, so you're welcome to do that if you want, but the setup here is that Jesus is walking with a guy named Jairus to go heal his daughter. So this guy Jairus had said, hey, my daughter is really sick. Will you come heal her? And so Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come heal her. So he's walking with Jairus to go heal Jairus' daughter. And Mark 5.24 is where we're going to pick up. It says this. A large crowd followed and pressed in around him. And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So don't go to the next slide yet. I'll, I'll get there. Um, this is known as the woman with the issue of blood. She had a physical health problem, okay, that had to do with bleeding. And she had had it for 12 years, Imagine having the same sickness for 12 years, okay, and something that is visible, and it's not like, I don't want to, right, like asthma, yes, that affects us, but this was way worse, and the problem was that this, this sickness, this, this issue of blood gave her a label. She was unclean. That was her label, and so in that time, that wasn't just, oh, she's sick, I'm not going to give her a hug tonight, right? Like, oh, you know, I, I've got a cold, I'm not going to shake your hand. Like, that's the kind of stuff we do today. If you've got a head cold, you might not, you know, that's cool. No, this was like, you don't get to live in town with the rest of us. You, will have, you have to go live on the outskirts of town. You can't be around other people in that day and age. So that's, so it's serious. This isn't just a, a, a normal head cold. This is the thing where you could not be a part of society and everybody kept their distance from you except the other people who had these same kind of sicknesses. So imagine for 12 years you are shunned. You are pushed away to the outskirts of town. You can't be a part of the normal uh culture and society you have to have your own separate little life with all the other sick people and that's it on top of that she's broke she had she had gone through all her savings trying to get this thing healed and none of the doctors could do it so there is no hope for her at this point she's out of money she's out of options she's desperate and in desperation she did something crazy Moving on to 527 and 28, it says, When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So let's think about two things we know. We know they're in a crowd, and we know that people don't like to be around her. So for her to squeeze through 
What's the big deal? She's probably getting dirty looks, maybe dirty words thrown at her. Like, people going, why are you here? Get away from me. But she's pushing through this crowd. So have you ever been in a really crowded elevator? Right? And there's no way to get out of that, right? Like everybody's in everybody's bubble. We're all in each other's personal bubbles, right? And so that's the kind of crowd we're talking about. And she's squeezing through it to get to Jesus. So moving on uh, to the next verse. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Now, think about it. You're in a big crowd like that. And somebody goes, hey, who touched me? What would your response be? Everybody touched you, right? There's thousands of people crowded into this small area. Are you kidding me? We're all shoulder to shoulder, quite literally. Of course somebody touched you, Jesus. And so that's what his disciples say, basically. They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? We're in this huge crowd. Everybody's touching you. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is not just, just who's you know, rubbing shoulders with me. But he's, he said, I felt my power you know, go. I felt my power be used. And so he knew something had happened. So this woman is scared to death. Remember, she's used to being kicked out of crowds and pushed to the side and pushed to the back. And so for her to, it's bad enough that she's in this crowd, but for her to admit that she had done this is a huge step for her. It really is. But she does. She says, she admits it. She says, yes, that, you know, I, I'm, it was me. I'm the one who touched, who touched you. Now, she was probably expecting Jesus to say, leave. Even knowing she had been healed, which she had been, she's so used to being told to get out that, that I bet you that was her, expect, her expectation. But Jesus says in Mark 5, 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In two sentences, Jesus flips this whole woman's life, this woman's life around. What's the first word he says to her? Daughter. What's she used to being called? Unclean. This is like, it reminds me of the prodigal son. Because in the prodigal son, if you know that story, uh, the son takes his, fa- takes his inheritance, runs away, and, and blows it, basically. He wastes his half of his dad's money. He decides, you know what? He's down in the dumps. He's literally in, uh, living with the pigs and trying to eat their food. And uh, he decides, you know what? Even my dad's servants eat better than this. And so he says, I'm going to come home, and maybe my dad will hire me on as one of his, his servants, as one of his workers at the ranch. So he comes home expecting to be called servant at best. And the first thing the dad says is, my son has come home. It's the same thing. When you expect the worst, Jesus gives us the best. And he doesn't say, unclean girl, okay, good for you. You got healed. Now get out. He says, daughter. So instead of you're out of the group, you are now not only in the group, you are a part of the family. You're not even just friend. But you are a part of the family. He takes off the label that society had put on her, and he puts his own label on her. 
And this allows her both to be free of her suffering. Yes, she'd been free of her suffer, suffering physically. Um, she does get that healing. But it frees her from the social and mental and emotional uh, bondage that had come with her label and with her sickness. And the reason why is this, and this is something that we all need to get in our heads and we need to, uh, to, to take into, into our lives, is that Jesus' label beats all the other labels. Jesus' label beats all other labels. And so we might, there's times when you probably feel like her, like your labels have you trapped. It could be the ones you gave yourselves. It could be the label that other people have given you. But you might feel like, you know what, my label is all that I have. It's all that defines me, and I'm never going to get out of that bubble. But Jesus' label is better. So, so we're going to ask two big questions tonight. We're going to ask two big questions kind of in closing here. And the first one is, who are you letting label you? Who gets to label you? We talked several weeks ago about how um, the only people that get to put a label on a product are the maker and the purchaser. Okay, so like Nike gets to put their name on the shirt, and then you get to write your name on the tag. Nobody else gets, it's weird if I write my name on your shirt because it's not my shirt, and I didn't make it. And God made us, and Jesus bought us, at, uh, you know, with a price at the cross. So we, uh, so we know that the only people that get to label us and get to define us is God. I want you guys to think about and pay attention to the things that you say about yourself. You might not say it out loud, but you think we all have certain thoughts about ourselves. I want you to take a second and just mentally kind of think about that. What do I say about myself? And, and, and as labels begin entering your mind now, I want you to ask the question, uh, is it true? Or is it just a temporary label based on what I can see right now? Here's a few other kind of questions within that same who gets to label you vain. Uh, do you allow other people to define who you are? Do you allow other people to define who you are? Or do you allow your past mistakes to define who you are? Do you allow your grades, your relationships, your own opinion of yourself, do you allow these things to define you? Or are you going, do you allow Jesus to define you? Or are you going to allow Jesus to define you? Look for him for who you are. And let's let him have the final word on who we are and who we can be. Here's our second big question as we close. And that is, who gets to label them? So we talked about who gets to label us. But who gets to label those around us? It is so easy for us to see somebody or, or be around somebody. And, and our temptation, and me too, it's, it's a temptation for all of us, is to put a label on them. We label some people as unwanted or unimportant or unlovable. We were just joking uh, the other day at, at, at First Priority. Um, we were at Bonham, and uh, one of our coaches, campus coaches from Permian, came to speak at, at Bonham, and it's uh, um, David was there at Bonham. And so there's a young lady at Bonham who's just a handful. She's just a handful, you know. Um, and we don't really have uh, very many like that here. Um, 
But, you know, she's just one of those people that she's always got a question and, and she doesn't always understand the social situation that we're in. And she says things, you know, she'll blurt out things that it's like, okay, that doesn't really fit what we're talking about at the moment. But, um, and, you know, so we were kind of telling this to David and, and, and explaining that. And, you know, she's a great girl. But, but in that moment, for better or for worse, we were kind of letting him know, hey, this is kind of how she rolls. You know, but that doesn't mean she's unwanted, doesn't mean she's unlovable, doesn't mean she's unimportant. And so other people, we, we put these false labels on them as having some kind of social, you know, social status that, that they may or may not have. And we give it unnecessary importance. Or maybe because they come from a family that has more money than ours does or, or you know, they get better grades. That somehow that puts them on this pedestal above us, which therefore affects our label of ourselves again. What if instead of labeling others, we let Jesus lead the way and let him set the labels? What if we allowed him to put his label on your friends? What if you allowed him to put his label on your family members? What if you allowed him to put his label on your classmates and your teammates and your teachers and your administrators? And then what if we treated them like his label says? That's a big question. It's super easy for us to, uh, to label somebody in our own minds and then treat them as such. I've decided that that person is dumb, so I'm going to treat them like they're dumb. Or I've decided that that person is really snobby and they're conceited, and so I'm going to treat them like they're really conceited. What if we treated them like Jesus wants to call? Jesus calls us his sons and daughters, and he wants to call everybody that. So what if we treated people like that? That Because that is a permanent label that is above all the other ones. There's no label you or I or anybody else can give that goes above, that supersedes the label of son or daughter of God. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think. Number one, what wrong labels have I been putting on myself? And if there's labels, if there's things popping in your mind, words to describe you that are popping in your mind that, that people have called you or that you have put on yourself, but they're not what God is calling you, I want you to just take that label off mentally, emotionally. You can even visualize yourself taking off a name tag. You may say, you know what, I feel like I've had the name tag of ugly. Take that ugly name tag off because Jesus, God makes beautiful things out of the dust. You say, I have the name tag of poor. The Bible says that blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. No matter what your incorrect name tag is, just begin to take it off. And then I want you to ask a second question in your mind, in your head, in your heart. And that is, who have I been labeling incorrectly or unnecessarily? 
Who have I put a label on that is not what God wants to label them? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now that you would begin to remove labels. God, that if we have this idea in our head that we're not good enough or that we're not smart enough or that we're not good looking enough or that we're not uh, intelligent enough or that whatever it may be, Lord, that you would just take that label off and you would show us who you're calling us to be. Lord, that you would put in us your name. God, I pray that you would remind us of that. Remind us each day when we wake up, God, as we're getting ready, as we're going throughout our day. Remind us who you have said we are. And Lord, that you would remind us who you've said everybody else is too, God, that we would not look at those around us and say they're not anything. God, that that we wouldn't look at those around us and say, you know what, they're not smart. They're not good-looking. They're not intelligent. God, because we know that you have made each person in your image. God, and so we thank you for who you said we are. And I pray that our actions would be influenced by this, Lord, that, that as we see those around us and we see ourselves each day, God, that we would walk as children of God and we would treat those around us as children of God. Lord, as children of the King, God, and that our our lives would reflect our identities and our lives would reflect who you want for us to be and who you want for those around us to be, God. Lord, that as we see people in class that maybe normally would annoy us, we would see them as you see them and not as we're prone to. God, that we would treat them like you would want to treat them. God, and this would not just be some uh, idea type of message that we hear on on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night, Lord, that we would take this and it would influence our actions each day. It would influence the way that we interact with those around us. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are and for the way that you love us, God. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen.